Chapter Five of the Steel Hammer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. The Steel Hammer by Louis Olbach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. Chapter Five. The Prodigal Husband. Gabrielle de Monterey was watching for her husband on this March night as she had watched and waited for him many times before. For some weeks past she had been more anxious than ever. Gaston had been more nervous and irritable. His indolence, which used to trouble her, had given place to a sort of fitful energy which showed itself in his walk, in his gestures, and in his speech but which promised to lead to nothing, as it had evidently no end in view. Madame de Monterey made believe to be anxious about the health of her husband. Perhaps, if he saw a doctor, he might own the cause. But for the first time in his life, the man of ease, who generally was scared at any trifle, who looked on the least feverish attack as a catastrophe, and above all as a sign of bad luck, laughed nervously at his wife's anxieties and assured her that he enjoyed the best of health gabrielle held counsel frequently with her old friend monsieur orion he had promised to come back the next morning and bring her more complete and precise information as to gaston's last debts and last doings had the moment for sacrificing her money long looked for come at last the night passed and gaston had not come gabrielle shivering with cold and apprehension was obliged to lie down in her bed to deceive her chambermaid and also her little son the child awoke early and every morning as soon as he was dressed ran into his mother's room to kiss her it was a sort of completion to his prayers. Then he would sit and chatter, telling her all that he was going to do during the day, all the great things as to amusement, and all the lesser ones as to his studies. Gabrielle kept him with her an hour or two, generally to leave Monsieur de Monterey time for his morning's nap before the visit, less familiar and more respectful, that his son always paid him that morning gabrielle resolved to keep roger till breakfast-time that he might not suspect that his father had not been home all night the poor woman with her head upon her pillow and her hands which her boy seized and kissed as he ran in stretched out of bed weary for want of sleep more weary for life and hiding the tears in her sweet eyes which would have astonished her little boy was saying to herself where can he be there's no club open at this hour not even a restaurant where can he have gone to spend the night she dared not believe herself deserted for any other woman such an idea would have taken all strength away from her it was not only that as a proud woman and as a modest wife she would have dreaded infidelity on the part of her husband but if gambler as he was 
he ever fell into the power of some degraded creature if obeying her as her slave he emancipated himself from the obligation of returning to his own home if he gave himself a pretext for entertaining his club associates elsewhere he would be hopelessly ruined gabrielle would have no more opportunities of seeing him of scolding him or of bringing him under his little boy's influence so as to lead him back to the fireside he so recklessly deserted all the time while smiling at roger who was chattering to her gaily though she heard no word of what he was saying she was thinking all is lost where is he when will he come back if he does not come back where shall i go to look for him the fear of an accident or of suicide no longer haunted her she was accustomed to know that he was abroad in the streets of paris coming home to his bed at an hour when workpeople are going to their factories at that hour the worthy and industrious are a protection to the idle and good-for-nothing as to the supposition that gaston might suddenly have been seized by remorse and have tried to kill himself gabrielle knew too well by this time how ease-loving and self-confident was her husband's nature to suppose he would have had resolution enough for such an act or could have been brought to such despair he was one of those men who would go on confidently to the very edge of a precipice believing he always had it in his power to return who would ruin themselves in hopes to propitiate fortune always under the illusion that she is going to smile upon them and who are capable of doing anything wrong because they imagine that their schemes of innocence for to-morrow will make up for some culpable necessity that their weakness compels them to pass through to-day gabrielle said likewise if he does not come home it will be because he is afraid to face me this anxiety this fear of having terribly much to forgive or to blame did not quench gabrielle's love for her husband but it wounded her most deeply as i have said gabrielle's nature was maternal and mother's love is obstinate and carries women sometimes to such a heroism of tenderness that people speak of it as humiliating while it is really heroic hope that endures unto the end moralists who lay down formulas and dogmas may pretend that contempt kills love nothing kills love when love is real it is even nourished in some cases by contempt as it is in others by esteem gabrielle had married gaston knowing him to be weak and inclined to dissipation she had loved him not for that of course but because she hoped by marriage to acquire the right to strengthen the good in him and to control the evil and it was not when the trial seemed terrible when the day of battle came that she was going to desert him to leave him or to forget to love him that indeed would be base that would be a poor way of giving him courage of watching over him and of saving him if he could yet be saved she loved him still and she would always love him she loved him more than ever detesting the vices which drew him away from wife and son 
and she waited his return with fresh heroic resolves to draw him away by all possible inducements from that fatal attraction to the gaming-table which poisoned his existence about half-past nine in the morning gabrielle who by all sorts of petting had kept roger in her room as one clings to the last spar of a wrecked vessel was told that monsieur Henriot wanted to see her it must be something very pressing and important that brought her counsellor to her house so early in the morning she sent her son away but forbade him to go to his papa's room as he was not well she said that morning and must not be disturbed then dressing herself in haste and putting on her wrapper she hastened to the salon shall i describe monsieur Henriot? i own to believing in the fatalism of physiognomies and that all confidants counsellors and confessors look very much alike they all bend their brows when a case of conscience is laid before them they all listen with unmoved faces as if justice and impartiality must wait upon their words they all have a little smile half mocking half complacent which promises indulgence to the victim who has placed himself in their hands and sharp severity on the other hand to the evil-doer Monsieur Orion was, furthermore, a man who wore a white cravat from the time he got up in the morning. He had a face as placid as a judge, but his looks were interrogative rather than acceptive. He was corpulent, well-dressed, a man in easy circumstances, well-satisfied with his official position, confident of being held in esteem, and at peace with his own conscience he was more than sixty but might have passed for younger had he pleased with a little care and pains he might have been taken for fifty but probably his aim was to make people think his dress and his manners were rather an affectation of maturity and to have them protest against his making himself look too old he wore a broad-brimmed hat such as certain doctors wear in order to look like priests from the country he kissed madame de montre's hand and when she asked well my old friend what is it now he answered there is to be an execution in this house to-day if two overdue notes for a thousand francs are not paid immediately for such a little sum as that how does that happen your husband has made arrangements for receiving without your knowledge the man who holds the notes the sheriff's officer and all the rest two thousand francs has it come to that we must pay it monsieur orion of course but that is not all i have reason to think that there are other notes overdue and yesterday evening ah have you seen him no but i know that he lost at the club a sum that he has no means of paying and that kind of debt cannot be put off as you know how do you know all this i have people at that place who keep me well informed fast men half converted 
who denounce their friends as a guarantee of their own repentance so that they may induce me the more readily to lend them money and you say that he lost much fifteen thousand francs we must pay it monsieur orion we must pay it at once yes but how long do you think we can keep on paying we will pay as long as we can and then then ah how you always doubt i assure you that for some time past i have had hopes he is weary of this existence he is getting afraid of me i can give you proof he did not come home last night at all do you call that a proof of repentance it is a proof that he feels ashamed of himself a proof of remorse what has he never come home why before one o'clock he left the club to be sure he may have gone back there after supper ah if i were only prefect of police i dare say you will be some day you are so excellent at keeping your eye on people did you say he had been to supper where after supper he may have taken a little walk till daylight and now i dare say he has gone somewhere to breakfast do you think anything could have happened to him any accident she said this without seeming alarmed it was a kind of concession to monsieur orion to disarm him to worry him for he was given to pessimism but she did not really think herself that gaston had been in any peril monsieur orion therefore had not much difficulty in reassuring her their interview lasted about an hour between half-past ten and eleven as gabrielle's old friend was getting up to go the door of the salon opened and gaston de monterey came in at the first glance gabrielle felt sure that he had not been to bed and that the queen of clubs had been alone responsible for his night of debauch women who love never go wrong in such impressions the disorder of his toilette set straight in an antechamber not in a boudoir his ungloved hands which still showed traces of having been rubbed for hours against the green cloth of the gambling-table his boots whose soles showed signs of a long walk all attested that no woman was to blame for his absence but what had he done where did he come from was he going from this time forth to play all night into the next morning gabrielle gave a sigh half of relief after the emotion she had undergone half for the dread of the new anxiety that from the disordered look and the late arrival of her husband she felt to be at hand gaston has an unusual freedom in his step his eyes sparkled he carried his head high so high that it was something more than natural pride of bearing gabrielle looking attentively at him for the second time asked herself if it could be the excitement of play only which had put those changeful sparkles into her husband's eyes he closed his mouth tightly to keep up a fixed smile he walked straight with a sort of rhythm to his steps on entering and seeing monsieur orion tete-a-tete -tete with his wife he burst into a loud laugh and came forward 
holding his head in one hand while with the other he put back his hair which was a little out of order ha ha my enemy he cried have you begun the campaign early i dare say you are here to denounce me are you not monsieur Orion, much surprised before he answered looked at madame de monterey how ought he gaston's father's old friend to take this way of addressing him with jokes that were almost impertinent and certainly disagreeable he very seldom met gaston their relations were generally cold stiff and ceremonious it was the first time the man of fashion had ever failed to treat him with respect or had ever exaggerated his mistrust of him into out-and-out -out mockery monsieur i am not your enemy he said at last with a gravity that was intended to convey a lesson for i was the friend of your father and madame de monterey permits me to be her friend still oh i was only joking when i said that my dear monsieur orion you are quite right to be fond of us one never has too many true friends myself especially i haven't any friends only people who play cards with me and creditors he gave a long laugh not called for by any great wit in his words nor by the situation what can it be thought gabrielle he is so gay i am sure he must be hiding some great trouble he is mad or drunk thought monsieur Henriot. i bet now said gaston flinging himself into an easy chair and stretching out his legs that you have been getting hold of one of my tailor's bills ah you keep a sharp eye upon me well if i do keep a sharp eye upon you replied monsieur orion accommodating himself on a sudden to gaston's gaiety and adopting a familiar tone that he might not seem to repel the familiarity of the man of the world i have caught you this time and you will not escape me i give up at once i know monsieur that you lost heavily last night at baccarat so soon your police makes its reports early let me know if it's correct i don't know you lost you owe fifteen thousand francs to monsieur henri des abois gaston laughed again his laugh was nervous and he had to put his hand to his mouth to conceal that his lips were trembling well no my dear sir he said your police is at fault this time what you do not owe i don't now owe fifteen thousand francs to my friend henri i have paid him paid cried gabriel and monsieur Orion both together yes paid go and ask him gaston got up he made a sudden pirouette with an affectation of extreme almost boyish gaiety and waved his hat above his head it is really so he said laughing but how did you manage it did you borrow asked gabriel borrow borrow from whom no i won but monsieur Orion ventured to say they told me that when you left the club 
to go to supper yes i had been losing then but my luck returned did you go back to the club ah sir do you mean to put me through a cross-examination gaston spoke with a laugh but his words did not come easily his laugh was thick still he recovered himself and went on volubly there is more than one gambling hall in paris my dear sir they are said to be five or six thousand of them so you can judge of my resources you don't suppose but that gaston de monterey has his entrees everywhere besides they all know that i am apt to lose and they make much of me but last night i sheared the wool off other people say i have some left he put his hand into his pocket for his pocket-book have you enough left to take up those two protested notes of a thousand francs each what notes monsieur Orion told him what haven't i paid them i thought they were done with long ago well certainly monsieur yes i have the money to pay them tenez here are your two thousand francs there may besides be some expenses these sheriff's officers are usurers tenez there's enough for the expenses the rest if you like gabrielle you can give to your poor people unless you choose to have a mass said for poor rascals who are cleaned out gaston dropped back in his chair and held out some bank-notes to monsieur orion with a trembling hand monsieur orion hesitated a moment then he took them i will send you the protested notes he said and the sheriff's bill accepted and the charge no you can give it all to gabrielle she can burn the notes and purify the money as you please there was a sudden silence gaston was visibly the worse for a sleepless night he did not try to conceal an enormous yawn a sonorous spasm which attacked him at this moment monsieur Orion had no more to say he took his leave of husband and wife gabrielle went with him through the antechamber and said in a low voice with a sigh the moment has not yet come for the sacrifice gaston's luck last night postpones it for a while more's the pity you're right more's the pity but just see how good he is how he thought of the poor did he think about you last night perhaps he did at any rate all that will come in time my friend with these words which her love prompted but which her reason refused to endorse gabrielle went back into her salon as she walked lightly her husband did not hear her she saw him in a glass gaston's pale face had become serious solemn his laugh which had died out upon his lips made his fixed smile a grimace his look was one of deepest melancholy you are very tired dear are you not said madame de monterey in a maternal tone you ought to go to bed what i want most is something to eat said gaston trying to recover his gaiety i have taken a long walk this morning and i am hungry 
Is luncheon ready? Of course. Gabrielle rang and said that she was ready for the second déjeuner. While waiting the announcement of its being on the table, she sat looking at Gaston with the hesitation of a mother who wants to make an impression on her naughty child, but is not sure if she had better scold or pardon without scolding, or feel satisfied without asking any questions. This steady look of Gabrielle's disconcerted Gaston. "'Am I any way changed?' he asked, somewhat foolishly. "'That you look at me as if you had never seen me before?' "'Yes, you are really very much changed.' "'What a horrid compliment!' "'On the contrary, dear, I like to see you thus.' "'I should say I was horribly ugly this morning,' replied Gaston, with a dandified air, looking at himself after a moment's hesitation in one of the great glasses of the salon. "'How excited you are!' murmured Gabrielle thoughtfully. "'I never saw you like this. To be sure, I never saw you after you had won a large sum. How much did you win exactly?' Gaston sprang up, put his arm round his wife's waist, and, seizing one of her hands, said tenderly, as he lifted it to his lips, "'Suppose I promise you never to play cards any more.' "'What, you? You never will play cards any more?' "'No, never, for ever. I am tired of this life, which wearies you as much as it does me, which will ruin my health as it has ruined my fortune. I don't mean to leave you any more.' "'Oh, vow of a man who drinks!' "'Drinks, yes, but who is not a drunkard?' said Gaston cunningly. "'I do assure you you may reform me. It is not too late yet. I am not bad. I have some mad instincts, but then I repent and I am very sorry.' The tears were almost in his eyes, and his voice shook. Gabrielle, bewildered, but much moved, could not find it in her heart to repel these offers of amendment. "'If I only dared believe you,' she said. "'You must believe me. I want to save myself. I would do anything to do it.' "'Anything?' "'Yes, anything. Tomorrow I will send in my resignation to the club.' "'To the one where you lost? But how about the other, where you won?' All. I'll go away from Paris, from France, too, if you like. Let us travel. You will be better able to attend to my cure. Would you like to leave Paris? I'll go tomorrow, if you like, or today. I'll go to America or Africa or the ends of the earth. But Roger? We can take him with us. Of course we can, but... The little dear fellow is studying so well at home. A student of seven years old. You can find masters anywhere. Gabrielle was making these objections only that she might not seem to yield at once. We need not go so far as the ends of the earth, she said at last. There's Italy, for example, or Switzerland. Yes, let us go to Italy. We were to have gone there the year after we married. We can celebrate the year of my reformation. I should like Italy. My father, you recollect, 
wrote a great deal about italy poor father he would be very glad if he could hear me speaking thus so let us go to italy or would you prefer germany england or belgium i should like any country that pleased you gabrielle was easily persuaded and you will love me over and above everything won't you my darling i can't love you any more than i do that's true i am an ungrateful bore you love me dearly you love me too much tiens let me go down on my knees to you gaston was speaking with a sincerity which needed the accompaniment of exaggerated theatrical action he did not know how to be true even when he really wanted to be so the habit of lying gave an emphasis to his most genuine words gabrielle was astounded by the eagerness with which he expressed himself she was still a little mistrustful but before long yet by degrees she gave herself up to the hope of his reformation may i really believe you she asked again yes yes you may believe me if you doubt me let us go this evening this evening i know that would not be possible will you be of the same mind when you have breakfasted oh you naughty woman you are hungry and they say that fasting promotes penitence gaston let go of his wife and began to laugh the kind of false laugh he had not laughed for several minutes he walked two or three times across the room stamping his foot like a child who insists on being minded the servant came in and said luncheon was ready ah at last sighed gaston he took his wife's arm instead of giving her his he leaned upon it heavily like a man who is weary to pass from the salon into the dining-room they had to go through an inner antechamber where hats and coats were hung gabrielle feeling how heavily her husband leaned upon her arm fancied a cane would help him and not seeing in his antechamber a thing she saw there every day in its own place she said to her husband what have you done with your cane gaston pulled his arm out of her suddenly my cane why yes the cane i gave you the cane with the little steel hammer at the end ah yes true he said in a tone that seemed neither very confused nor very repentant i forgot it have you lost it no no i left it at the club now i remember well then if you don't mean to go back to the club we had better send and get it oh certainly the breakfast was gay but the gaiety was forced gaston had never tried so hard before to be witty and amusing it seemed almost as if he were trying to shine before his little boy for very often he turned to him he questioned him just for the sake of questioning measuring himself as it were against the little fellow who knew his bible history much the best and shone especially in the names of the twelve tribes of israel gaston who had declared himself famished ate little but drank much when gabrielle tried to know more about the plans of travelling he had been so keen about he gave her a quick answer and turned away his eyes 
his wife looked at him too anxiously after luncheon monsieur de monterey talked of going to lie down of taking a siesta for a few hours he promised to be awake before four yes do said gabrielle make up for your lost night at four o'clock we can go and take a drive all three of us to the bois de boulogne what an absurd idea said gaston evidently not gratified on the contrary dear it is a very commonplace one to the bois when there isn't a leaf on the trees you are getting romantic dear gaston well of course my days of innocence are coming back to me he kissed his wife on the brow and went to his own chamber gabrielle in the distance heard him lock his door it was the first time he had ever taken such a precaution why should he lock himself in is he afraid i shall come and keep him from sleeping she was all day preoccupied and restless she could not stay in one place and several times she went and listened at the closed door of her husband's room she could hear no sound if he slept it was the sleep of peace if he were awake nothing was exciting him so if he has anything on his conscience thought gabrielle after her last visit it does not trouble him it was past four but gaston was still locked up in his own chamber it seemed cruel to rouse him or to worry him the idea of driving to the bois de boulogne had not seemed to please him probably he did not wish to be seen by his club associates in the character of the reformed husband taken out for a drive to amuse him gabrielle was very willing to be modest in her triumph provided that triumph were to be complete if she must have patience a little longer she could well afford to wait she had been patient so long but her resolution to be patient made her restless she could not sit still in one place she went all over the house looking into everything rearranging everything and giving orders as she crossed the antechamber i have mentioned she noticed that a small cupboard in the wall had its door ajar in it the manservant was in the habit of putting away various small articles which could not well be kept in the kitchen gabrielle who was a careful housekeeper as particular as a provincial mistress of a family i was about to say but it would be more correct to say as a good parisian one went up to the door to remedy the oversight of the servant as she moved the door and tried to shut it something dropped out at her feet it was her husband's cane how came it there the careless fellow she said recognizing it and stooping to pick it up the stick was splintered in the middle ah that is why he pretended to have forgotten it said she with a sigh he was telling me a falsehood he must be very much afraid of me she was moved by this thought and added it was because this cane was a present from me he did not dare to own to me that he had let it somehow slip under some wheel and get broken poor fellow all the same he deserves a lesson 
and I mean to give it to him. So, at once ringing for a servant, Madame de Montre told him to carry the cane to the shop where she had bought it, and ask to have it repaired, that is, to replace the broken stick by a new one, and to have it ready by the next day. How I will scold him, she thought. He really does seem repentant, the dear prodigal, but I dare not trust him. In three days we will be off to Switzerland. It is very soon, but the trial will be all the more meritorious in him. We can stop at Geneva. I shall find masters there for Roger. I should prefer Italy, Rome, Naples, Florence. But it is too soon, and besides, there is a great deal of gambling going on in Italy. Gaston did not reappear till dinner-time. He was calmer then, but he still seemed declined to amend his life, and to prove it he stayed all the evening at home with his wife, though he hardly spoke to her. He had lost the habit of confidential chats, but he sat near her, playing on a side-table innumerable games of solitaire, without being able to win one, possibly because he could not fix his mind upon them, possibly because he was out of patience, or possibly because luck was against him. He gave this last reason for his bad success. "'You see, I am quite right to give up games of chance,' he cried, at the close of the evening, with an angry jerk. "'The cards all go against me.' He picked up the packs with which he had been playing, and flung them far from him all over the carpet. Then— laughing like a crazy man at his own folly he went off to bed End of chapter five